Hello and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. Pastor Worth Wheeler here. If you are new, welcome. If not, welcome back. We are glad that all of you are here watching and ready to learn and engage with the scriptures on this Sunday, February 7th. Um, and we're going to jump right in. We are uh, several weeks into our hindsight series. And we are talking, we started this series talking about the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we live into and how they dramatically shape how we experience our lives. So we've been looking at our lives in the past and seeing where God has shown up, maybe even when we weren't aware of it uh, and only in hindsight we're aware of it, and then how he's continuing his story and how he will show up in our lives now and in the future. And integral to that is making the choice to have our lives defined by the story of God and the stories that we find in Scripture. We want to ask how that will make a difference in our lives right now and in this coming year. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at Matthew's Gospel, particularly the headline statement Jesus gives for his ministry in Matthew 4, verse 17, which says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Last week, we left off by viewing a video from the Bible Project that helps explain what the gospel of the kingdom is. And uh, just, by the way, you can set up an account on the Bible Project website. You can track your progress on there. You can donate to them as a nonprofit, and I encourage you to do so. So if you didn't watch that video, I encourage you to go back to last week and watch that, um, or go to Bible Project and watch it there. And we looked at each word in Jesus's headline statement so that we could understand what that statement was uh, more fully. And we finished that week by rewriting Jesus's statement to make sure we understood what it means for our lives. Jesus says there is a pattern for living a kingdom life. This is the way. And the first Christians were actually called the people of the way. And in the end, uh, this is the rewritten statement that we came up with. Change the way you perceive reality so you can start looking for the life pattern of God. This week, we're going to share some stories that Jesus tells us about his kingdom and what life looks like in it and how to join it in tangible ways and how to live that way, that pattern of God. So there's this one spot where Jesus tells a series of five stories, and these five parables can be found in Matthew chapter 13. And here's something weird before we jump into that, that you may not know about parables. Jesus says he speaks in parables because he knows that there are some people who don't actually want to see the kingdom of God. In other words, the understanding and meaning of the parables will be shown to and revealed to the people who want to see the kingdom and who know what it's all about. And he even quotes another part of Isaiah to explain this further uh, back from Isaiah chapter 6. He does this in Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15, which comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. He says, You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They, ha they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, there's that word metanoia, in, in Hebrew, it's the word repent, and I would heal them, he says. If they would just ask to be able to see and hear, I would heal their eyes and ears, and they would turn around and look at me and hear what I have to say, is what Jesus says. In other words, it's about choosing the kingdom of God. It's about choosing the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of ourselves. 
So I want to take a look at these five stories and kind of zero in on the main sentence, the main point of each one. And I want you to remember that last week we said the word to look for in Matthew that will key us back into Jesus's headline uh, from Matthew chapter 4, where he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The key word we're looking for is the word kingdom. So through these stories, Jesus is giving us a peek into his reality to see what the kingdom of God is actually like. And lo and behold, each one of these stories begins with this phrase, the kingdom of God is like. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you a synopsis uh, and then a sentence or two. Maybe a synopsis isn't necessary every time, but I'm going to give you a synopsis if necessary and then a sentence or two about each parable that cuts to the chase about what it's all about. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 13, and you can read the full text for yourself. You can hit pause and read it and then come back to this or read it afterwards, whatever you want to do. The first one is the parable of the sower, uh, which I don't think needs a synopsis. Those who want to see God's kingdom will see it and will sink deep. It will sink deep into their lives and it will produce growth. The second is the kingdom of weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who planted good seed in his garden, but an enemy planted weeds when he wasn't looking. The weeds are going to grow up with the good plants next to them. And the point of this story is this. For a while, God's kingdom, his good kingdom, and his excellent reign, it will be in the midst of evil. And I hope you notice that that's true right now, today. All you have to do is turn on the news. The third story is about the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, two very small things that can cause very big change. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a mustard seed or yeast. What God is doing can sometimes seem very small. Bringing the kingdom can look like little tiny glimpses, little moments when we see something deeper than the reality around us. And maybe it seems small, but this upside down kingdom is one that multiplies and grows quickly, like a little bit of yeast in dough or a tiny mustard seed that grows into a bigger plant. The fourth one, the parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he dug that treasure up and he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and sold all he had so he could go buy that field. When you do see the kingdom, you are going to experience joy. When you get those glimpses of it, you will experience joy and you will do anything to pursue it if you have to. The last story, the parable of the net. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and it caught all types of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it onto the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets and they chucked the rest. They threw away the bad. What's the point? God is not going to allow the evil to grow up in the midst of the good forever. Someday, God is going to eradicate all evil for good forever. It will be wiped out. The warning was there. It'll be hard to discern for a while while the evil is here, but that's not the end of the story, is what Jesus is saying. Well, now what? What do we do now that we have a little bit more understanding about the kingdom of God from reading these parables? I think as we've read through Matthew, there are some tangible ways that we can engage with it a little bit. How do we 
take that big headline we talked about, repent for the kingdom of God, God is near, for the kingdom of heaven is near. How do we take that and do something with it? Well, I want to look at some questions that may help us a little bit more. And the first one, the first one is this, do we want to see the kingdom of God? Do you want to see the kingdom of God? And are you looking for it? This is kind of the prerequisite for the whole thing. You, you have to want to see it. You have to ask for eyes to see. And you have to ask for ears to hear. Jesus himself has just told us it would not be readily apparent to those who do not want to see it. But he also says in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else you're worried about, all the other things that are in your life, they're going to fall in line with the most important priority, which is seeking the way of God, the pattern of life in God. Ask for ears to see, uh, ears to hear, and eyes to see that kingdom. The second question is like that, but even more to the point. Will we give our allegiance to the kingdom of God? We've got a lot of other little kingdoms, a lot of little fiefdoms that are constantly vying for our allegiance. Probably the one that wants our allegiance, wants us to align ourselves with it more than anything else is the kingdom of ourselves. Will we give our allegiance to God's kingdom? What that means is this. Will you put your trust in him? Will you let the value of your life, your whole life, be shaped by God's heart and for the world that God loves? Will you let everything in your life flow from that headline that Jesus announces? Or will we give our lives over to these competing narratives that are constantly tugging and pulling at us? The political stories of success, all the things we talked about in week one, failure stories, the family expectation stories, uh, self-help stories, the story of having more, of excess, all these stories. That, and it's not that they're not important. Sometimes they are, but here's what they do. They compete with the main story, and they are loud and in your face, and we are swimming in them, sometimes drowning in them. And if you pretend like they aren't in competition with Jesus' story in, their, in your life, then you, they're going to win, and you're going to slip under the waves. Because when we give our hearts over to these little fiefdoms, then our values are pulled in one direction or another. I, listen to this. This is what it does. We get pulled toward the value of safety over and against the value of loving our neighbor, of power over love, of strength over the, over the weak, of, over the marginalized, over the humble, of valuing, valuing revenge over money, of popularity, of popularity over character, of wealth over generosity, of freedom over surrender. All of those things highlight the dichotomy between a kingdom way of life modeled on Jesus and his patterns versus a life centered on ourselves. These values are incredibly easy for us to flip and to say and kind of get mixed up. This is what I value. Instead, the kingdom of God is upside down already and it says, what do you actually value? Because what you value leads to how you live. Will you value what the kingdom of God values. Love of neighbor, love of enemy, mercy, 
and generosity and surrender and character to a God who is leading this thing, Jesus says to us, this is the way. Will we participate in this way? Will we have allegiance for his kingdom? Will we pray for these things? There's a lot of language in Matthew about one of the ways we participate in his kingdom is through praying for, for God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he teaches us to pray. I think every prayer we pray makes a difference. I believe when you pray, it unlocks things in the kingdom of God. That's why he taught us to pray that way. Things that you can't see, that are right in the messy middle of that Venn diagram we showed last week of the heaven and earth colliding. Kingdom things are unlocked when God's people agree with God and say, may God's kingdom come in this way, in Seattle as it is in heaven, in West Seattle as it is in heaven. May God bring mercy and justice and provision and generosity and love. And I think this leads to our final question. Are we asking God's spirit for the wisdom to know the difference between these little fiefdoms, these little kingdoms, and God's big kingdom of love? Are we asking for God's wisdom between the good things growing in our lives and the weeds? Because they're both growing up at the same time, remember? Can we look for glimpses that can give us hope, hope that the future story is one where all these evil things aren't wrapped up around us, that God would do some gardening <laughs> and that God might do all these little things that are going to make a huge difference. Mustard seed moments. Can you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the mustard seed moments of your life in the past so that you can be aware of when they're happening in the present and in the future? The mustard seed moments right around you, they're so small you might miss them, the little things. So Pray that God might give you eyes to see, to see the soil that will help you grow, to see the net, to see the mustard seed and the yeast and the treasure buried in the field. And may the Holy Spirit help us all. Until next time, I'm Rick Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Grace and peace to you all.